0: Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches today. Because today we're finishing up our four part series entitled You Drive Me Crazy. But before we get into today's conversation, every fourth Sunday of the month, we are um, giving you the opportunities to church, all of our campuses to go above and beyond to show the just extravagant generosity of Jesus to our communities because we want people to know that God is for them by the way that we are for them. And we call this $4 for others and we do this every fourth Sunday and we all come together and it's just a great way to give back to our communities and we all come together and do a little bit. Uh, Man, it adds up to a great blessing. So each month what we're doing is these gifts are given to groups of people or organizations in our communities to serve and to bless them. And here's where your dollars are going to be going this month. We're going to bless some students. See, every summer, we send students to summer camp. And every year, we have students who need assistance with the cost. And so some of you, over the years, you've given extra every year to kind of help out with that. But we keep having a growing number of students um, that we get to send every year. And also, we have a growing number of students that need assistance. So this month, we're going to use some of the funds... Or we're going to use the funds to help students who need some financial assistance to go to real life camp at Blue Springs this summer. So, here's how you can give. When you came in today, there was an envelope laying on the seat that you're sitting in. And uh, you can take that put money in that. And you can drop it in the giving boxes on your way out of your auditorium. Or you can scan that QR code that was on the envelope when you came in. And you can give digitally. So, we, man, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for making sure that we're investing as a church in the next generation. So thanks for making the next generation win. Can't wait to share some stories with you uh, from the summer camp because every year there's are just amazing stories of life change that happens to our students. So thanks for being a church that shows other people that God is for them by the way that we are for them. Now, Go ahead and find the talk notes on your RCC app or grab your Bibles and note, whatever note-taking device that you use, and let's jump into our final conversation of our series, You Drive Me Crazy. Now, to kind of get us thinking, here's one of the things I know. If there's anything that reminds us that we don't live in a perfect world, it's relationships, right? Right? I mean, the truth is, most of our difficulty, most of our distress, most of our discouragement, most of the depression that we experience in life, it is from relationships. So what do you do? What do you do? And and how do you process whenever you're thinking something like in a relationship, you drive me crazy. How, how do you deal with that? Because here's what we all know. When things go south in relationships, I mean, we often think, man, if... I would experience a lot less crazy-making in my life if he would or she would or if he wouldn't or if she wouldn't. I mean, when things aren't right in a relationship, our focus almost always goes to what they are doing to cause the crazy-making, what they are doing to cause the mess in the relationship. And here's why we think that way, because we know intuitively That the quality of your relationships determine the quality of your life. I mean, like when things are going good between you and the people in your life, life is good, isn't it? But when relationships go south, life goes south very fast as well. So the quality of your relationship with God and then the quality of your relationship with other people, it really does define the quality of your life. Now, as we've talked about for the past three weeks, Jesus is very clear that there's a way to break out of this crazy-making cycle that we find ourselves in relationally. But as we've learned, how we solve our crazy-making relationship problems is so different from how we naturally think about the way to solve our relationship problems. See, we think relationship problems are behavior problems. That's why we try to fix our outward behavior. We try to change our outward behavior so that we please the people around us more. And then when we figure out, well, I just can't make them happy all the time, then we start trying to change their outward behavior. But what we've learned is, is Jesus said that that's not the real problem. External behavior is not the problem. He said the problem is internal. It's a heart problem. In fact, here's how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, don't miss what he's saying here. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, they don't come out of their mouth because of what happened, because of what somebody said, or because of what somebody did, or because of a circumstance or situation that they experienced, he says, No, the things that come out of a person's mouth, they come from the heart. And these defile them. And then he goes on for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So Jesus is very clear in this statement that he's making right here that our heart shapes what we think, our heart shapes what we do, our heart shapes what we say. And more importantly, our hearts shape how we react. So Jesus is saying our reactions show more about our hearts than anything else. Now, each week we have been using this prop to illustrate what is in. Our hearts. And it is filled with all different color bouncy balls. And all of these different bouncy balls represent all the emotions that we carry or that we feel in our heart based upon the attachments that we have made in our heart. We've made attachments with certain lies. We've made attachments or agreements with certain false truths. The James in James chapter three, he says they're they're earthy, they're unspiritual, and they're demonic. And we don't even realize we're doing that. And so what happens is, is we think our relationship problems are behavior issues. So we go through life focused on our efforts, trying to keep all of these emotions and all of this baggage under control. And we try to make all the people around us behave certain ways so all of this stuff doesn't come out of us. But here's what we know. That doesn't work, does it? Because inevitably what happens is you have this moment when somebody bumps into you and it just triggers you relationally and your emotions just fly all over the place. They didn't mean to, but they bumped into an attachment or a wound or something that you had made an agreement with and it created all these emotions inside of you. But here's the thing. Because we are not focused on our heart as the problem, what we do when somebody comes along and bumps into us and emotions spill out, we blame them. We blame that person. We blame that group of people for all of that stuff that came out of us. And so what happens is we react. You say, you do something that stains a relationship, that hurts a relationship, that breaks a relationship, that stains the relationship or breaks a relationship with your parents or your spouse or or your coworkers or your classmates, and you think the reason that relationship got broken or got hurt is because that person or those people they created the conflict and it's their fault that they bumped into you and made all those emotions come out of you. But here's the truth. What comes out of you in every reaction. Don't miss what I'm saying here. This is so important. What comes out of you in every reaction, it's because that is what is inside your heart. So through this sermon series, we've been learning this, that the condition of our relationships has as much to do with the health of our hearts as it does with the behavior of others. And that is why we're spending four weeks looking at what Jesus has to say about relationships. So today what I'm going to do is I want to look at another crazy-making attitude or another crazy-making attachment that we allow to attach to our hearts. And here's the thing. When we allow this attachment or this attitude to be a part of our heart, what happens is is it fills our heart with all these earthy, these unspiritual, and these demonic emotions, these thoughts, and these processes. And what we do is we destroy our relationship with God, and we destroy our relationship with other people. Now, to help us understand how, this, how we make this attachment or this attachment that we have in our heart, I want you to look at this circle on the screen here. I want you to imagine that this circle, it represents a relationship in your life where there is some crazy making, where there's some tension. There's always some tension. Now, here's the thing. If you're sitting beside them, don't point at them. Don't say you're the circle. Don't don't even say that. That would be crazy making on your part, right? But maybe there's somebody that you live in the house with, that you work with, that It's just every time there's a decision to make, every time there's a problem to solve, every time there's always some crazy making, there's always some tension, there's always an issue. I mean, maybe it's an ex, an ex boyfriend, ex girlfriend, ex husband, ex wife who's been a pain in your life, and and there's just always this tension. Or maybe it's your current spouse or son or daughter that you always find yourself fighting with or having tension with. I mean, you you can't even make a decision about where to eat lunch, you know? There's always a fight out of it. Just some kind of tension going on. So this circle right here represents a relationship that really bothers you right now. There's miscommunication. You can't seem to connect. The one that always ends up in a fight or tension now I want to ask you a tough question but first let me give you two qualifiers because this question is not a gotcha question it's not a bait and switch to make you feel like that you did something wrong and two you don't have to tell anybody the answer to this question this is just between you and God is everybody ready here's the question if this circle Represents the totality of your conflict, your crazy making, or the tension in the relationship. If all of the problem is here, what percentage of this circle represents your part, your responsibility in the conflict? Now, for some of you, you would say, well, half of it's my fault or my responsibility. I'll own that. Or maybe you would say, nah, it's only about 25%. It's just 25% my fault, my responsibility, the rest is there. But most of us, most of us, if we were totally honest, we would view our conflict, we would view our fights more from this idea that, ah, this is me. It's this is my part, this is all. All the rest of them, they did this and this and this, and they did this the year before, and they did this the year before. They keep doing this over and over again, and I only do this because they did all of this. Now, here's the thing. My goal today is not to convince you that your responsibility or your part of the tension is bigger than you think it is. But I do want you to consider two more questions to see if this attachment or how much you have attached this attitude to your heart. Here's the questions. What part of this conflict do you spend your time thinking about the most? The part they did? Or what's your responsibility? Well, when it comes to the tension, the crazy making, and the relationship that you're thinking about or relationships you're thinking about, what part of that conflict do you spend your time thinking about and obsessing about the most? Like, who do you have a conversation in your head the most with? Them, trying to straighten them out? Who do you have conversations with other people about? You or them, or are you always looking at your heart? Who do you obsess over the most? And number two, what part of the conflict can you actually do something about? Their part? Or your part. Now, here's the thing. How we answer these two questions, it shows a whole lot about our heart. In fact, for many of us, it makes us aware of this third crazy-making attitude that we have allowed to attach to our heart and we've made agreement within our heart and it is just filling our heart with all these earthy, these unspiritual and these demonic emotions that flow out of this. That really destroyed the relationship while we're blaming everybody else for the crazy making. And as we're about to discover, it's so hard to see in our lives. And it's even harder to admit that this is in our heart. And you go, what is this attitude? What is this attachment that you're talking about? Here's what the attitude is or the attachment. I'm the better person in this relationship. I'm the better person in the relationship. Now, here's what I know. I know you're such an incredible church that none of you have ever felt this way out loud, that is. Right? But I can promise you, the people that live with you, the people that work with you, the people that go to school with you, the people that in the neighborhood with you, oh, they know when you feel this way. See, we think it is so easy to hide this attitude that I'm the better person in the relationship when the truth is this is one of the hardest ones to hide. In fact, if you have ever one time thought or told someone, if I was in charge, things would be so much better. If you've ever thought that, then you have this attitude in your heart. If you've ever thought or told someone, if they would just listen to me, I have so much to offer. Things would be so much better if they would just listen to me. And the truth is, maybe they would be better. Maybe things would be better off if you were in charge. Maybe things would be better if people would listen to you. But there's a strong likelihood that the reason no one wants to listen to what you think, the reason no one wants to put you in charge is because they already know how you feel about them you feel like you're the better person in the relationship and whenever you feel that way people want to put a barrier between you and them because they're going to automatically feel diminished anytime they're around you see anytime you feel like you're the better person in the relationship they know they know it's going to be a diminishing relationship. In fact, I think it's what Theodore Roosevelt was trying to help everyone understand when he made this statement. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And by the way, if you ever set somebody down and go, I'm just telling you this because I care about you, then it's because you probably don't care and you think you're just, you're just really affirming to that person, oh, I do think I'm the better person in the relationship. Now, just in case you're sitting there still not convinced that this is an attachment that you have in your heart, that you don't struggle with this. Especially if you're kind of introverted or maybe you go through life feeling inferior or like you're never enough. I mean, you could think this is not you. But another word for this attachment, another way we display this attitude that we're the better person in the relationship is this word right here, it's blame. 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 I blame because I feel like I'm the better person in the relationship. See, blame allows me to live in the illusion that I'm always offended. I am never the offender. Blame always allows me to be the victim, not the perpetrator. Blame always wants to make sure that other people understand, it's not my fault. I mean, after all, I'm the better person. How could it be my fault? I only did my little part of the, what would be the fault, my fault, because of all they did. They did this and this. If they didn't miscommunicate so bad, if they would just be able to communicate better, if they had not done this, or if they would do that. See, as long as you play the blame game, you can convince yourself, you can live in the illusion that you are the better person in the relationship. That's what blame does, And when you live blaming other people, what it does in your mind is it gives you this moral high ground to be the judge, to condemn, to criticize the other person. But here's the thing. Blame never helps you grow. You never fix the problem of your heart consumed When you're consumed with fixing blame. Let me say that again. You never fix the problem of your heart whenever you're consumed with fixing blame. Growth only comes in our life whenever we own our part in the crazy making process. No matter what their part was. Now, the Apostle Paul, he addresses very bluntly in a letter that he wrote to Christ followers living in Rome. And let me just say something, his reminder, I mean, it is so direct, it is so blunt, it is so profound, because it is so clear. So if you got your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 18. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, here's why this statement is so important. Because a relationship that is characterized by crazy-making, where did we say you tend to spend all of your energy focused on that crazy-making? You focus on what? The other person, what they did. And the Apostle Paul says, no, no, no. As far as it depends on you. But for most of us, it's what the other person is doing. All of our energy is directed is, if they would change, if they would quit doing this, if they would start doing that, they just get over themselves. If they would just repay me, if they would just, if they would just, and we just put this, if they would, then we could have a great relationship. And the Apostle Paul goes, No, 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 no. If you want to have a great relationship, you have to change where you spend the focus of all your energy when it comes to crazy making. In the relationship. In other words, if you claim, I mean, this relationship is impossible. I can't do anything to make it better because it's not my fault. Then the Apostle Paul would say, "Well, you're not totally being honest with yourself about what you can do. You're deceiving yourself, and you've fallen into the blame game." Now, I'm going to just tell you this blame game. It is dangerous for a couple reasons. One is this: is you can't blame your way to a better relationship. I mean, it just never works. Have I mean, you ever asked somebody, hey, how did, you find, how did you finally resolve that fight and reconcile that relationship? Like, have you ever sat down with a couple who's been married a long time or they went through a real season, a dark season, and you didn't know if their marriage was gonna make it, and you sat down and you asked this couple, hey, how did you guys come through that really dark season? And they look back at you and they go, oh, Man, I just started blaming her and she started blaming me and we just got more intense with our blame. I did more blaming about her and she did more blaming toward me. I mean, we just got, we escalated blame and everything got better between us. She should try it. You never hear that story. Because here's why. You can't blame your way to a better relationship or a better future. You only blame your way to a future that repeats the past. Listen, this is why some of you, you can tell stories of what people did last year, and the year before, and the year before, and you're always the victim. If this hadn't happened to me last year, and if this hadn't happened to me the year before, and this hadn't happened to me. See, the reason you're historical is because you're blaming everybody else. Not looking at your heart. So blame just makes you repeat the past in your present and take it with you in the future. That's the second reason blame is so dangerous because blame enables us to smuggle our issues into our future relationships. So blame lets you turn this blind eye to these issues, these attachments in you, and you're all focused on the other people. But in the course of doing that, you deceive yourself into smuggling your issues right into your future and you don't even realize it. So whenever you choose to blame, instead of own your part of what's going on in your heart, you set yourself up for relational crazy making. That's why blame is so dangerous. Change the names, change the faces. Some of you can go back one year, go back two years, three years, five years, 10 years, and you still got the same blame, it's just different people. And here's what I know, it's easier to blame them but it's just not healthy for you spiritually and emotionally and relationally because you're deceiving yourself and self-deception eventually leads to self-destruction, but we blame everybody else when we self-sabotage. But the Apostle Paul says, there's a better way. Here's what he tells us. Look back at verse 18. He says, if it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So there's two key phrases. I want you to notice these. First one is this. If it's possible, if it's possible, meaning it might not be possible to remove all the crazy making behavior from every relationship. But what he's saying is, but what depends on you, you need to keep on working on the condition of your heart. You can always keep working on the condition of your heart. And the second phrase that the apostle Paul introduces, it introduces a question that I think he's calling all of us to ask ourselves. Notice this phrase, as far as depends on you. So here's the question What depends on me to live at peace with everyone? What depends on me to live at peace with everyone? And answering this question is how you own your part. So go back to our circle here. What part of this circle represents what depends on you to experience peace? Is it 90%? Is it 50%? Is it only 10%? What depends on me to live at peace with everyone else? Don't miss this. Until the primary, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying, until the primary focus of your energy is what depends on you, you will not experience peace in your relationships. Think about that. You say, no, our focus has to be what's coming out of me, not what they're doing, not what they're saying, not what they're not doing, but what depends on me. Now, there's another three-word phrase in this verse, verse 18, that we could so quickly skim over where the apostle Paul says, as far as, as far as, meaning you have to be willing to dig deep down into your heart you got to make sure that you've done everything you can do. You dig into your heart and you find those earthy emotions. You find those unspiritual emotions. You find those demonic emotions because you believe a lie. And you you go as far as you can and and you you find that hatred. You find that resentment. You find that bitterness. You find that unforgiveness and, and you ask Jesus, Jesus, come into my anger. Come into my hatred, and when you invite Jesus into your hatred, you know what he does with your hatred? He turns that hatred into love, and you know what he does with your bitterness and your resentment? He turns it into peace, and you know what he does with your unforgiveness? He turns it into patience and Kindness. Do you see what the Apostle Paul is saying? He's saying, you've got to let the Holy Spirit of God come into every one of these earthy, unspiritual, and demonic emotions that we carry in our heart because of attachments that we've made. And we have to invite Jesus into our anger, into our hatred, into our unforgiveness, into our resentment, into our bitterness. And what Jesus does is through his power, his transforming resurrection power, he then redeems our heart And all of these emotions, as God comes along and removes these attachments out of our life, they become love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control. And so the apostle Paul says, can you go any farther? Can you let the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, go deep into who you are? Can it go any farther and find what's in there that is causing you to react the way that you react whenever somebody bumps into you? See, if there's anything else in your heart that is a barrier to living at peace is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Let the Holy Spirit of God go into that, which means your question is not, do they need to do something different to make the relationship better? But can I open my heart And present what's in my heart anymore to the Holy Spirit and invite Jesus, my Savior and Redeemer, my heart transformer, to come in and change all of these ungodly emotions and remove all these unhealthy attachments. Listen, when you develop the discipline of holding yourself accountable for your part in the crazy making process, it's then that you can live at peace with God and yourself. And when you're at peace with God and yourself, it is far easier to be at peace with other people even when they bump into you. Because then when they bump into you, it's not all these crazy-making emotions that come out of you. It's the unforced rhythm of grace, of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control. But you think, oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. That's what I want, but it doesn't stop there. Beginning in verse 19, the apostle Paul, he helps us to see what our reactions look like when we're committed to focusing on our part and inviting the Holy Spirit to go in and take the sword of the word of God and just let the Holy Spirit just dig in and clean that stuff out. Notice what he says. Here's what he says. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, some of us read this and, and we think, well, I don't take revenge. I haven't cut anybody's tires lately. You know, I haven't done that. But, but don't miss this. Revenge, revenge is just not an outward thing. Revenge is also an inward thing. So blame is a form of revenge. See, for most of us, we think revenge is this external retaliation. Now, it can be internal retaliation as well. It it can be that external thing. Hey, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get you back for it. Sometimes it is, but most of the time, revenge is an internal thing. See, revenge is blame. It's gossip. It's criticism. It's condemnation. It's holding a grudge. It's allowing the spirit of bitterness or jealousy or envy or resentment to rise up in me. It's unforgiveness. It's me presenting myself as the victim and them as the perpetrator. It's when I create emotional walls and, and, and hold people out and, and, and just create barriers. And it's all that passive aggressive behavior that we allow ourselves and gives ourselves permission to do to other people. That's just a few examples of how we take revenge. In fact, anytime I focus more on their part in the conflict than my part, it's the attitude of revenge. That's why I'm more focused on their part than mine, because I'm taking revenge. So the Apostle Paul reminds us, our Heavenly Father says, hey, you're not going to get rid of this crazy making By seeing or seeking to or taking revenge toward other people, whether it's some kind of intentional external revenge or just this passive aggressive stuff, as I said on the inside, whether you're silently celebrating the things that don't go in their right or you're telling other people to undermine them. As long as you're taking revenge in any form, the Apostle Paul is saying, you won't have peace. In fact, go back to verse 19. Here's what he says. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And some of you are thinking, oh, I like this part. They need the wrath of God in their life. I mean, after what they've done to me, oh yeah, God, bring the wrath. But this is not about God bringing the wrath to them. This is about what God is saying to you. He's saying to you, you're not an avenger. He's saying, listen, would you just get out of the way? Because it's not your job to avenge someone. So get out of the way and let me be God, he says. Now, here's what I know. And God, and this is why God had the apostle Paul write this. We will never get out of the way and let God handle the consequences of the conflict or the tension in our lives as long as we feel like that we are the better person in the relationship. We'll we'll never get out of the way because as long as we think we're the better person in the relationship, then we always feel like we know the answer. We know what's best for that person and we know what they need to do. And oftentimes, God is using that tension in that relationship to sanctify you. To show you what's in your heart that's earthy, unspiritual, and demonic. So if you want peace, you have to trust God and say, God, it's not mine, but it is yours to repay. It's not my job, God, to make them pay in any kind of way. And so you look at God and say, God, just as you've forgiven me, I forgive them. And here's why. Because unforgiveness blocks God from any relational conflict or problem that you have. But forgiveness, what it does is it invites God in to get involved in the relationship. See, unforgiveness is not trusting God to handle a difficult situation. But forgiveness is saying, God, I trust you to deal with this difficult situation. But it's not easy. And the apostle Paul knows it's not easy. In fact, in verse 20 and 21 He writes these words. This is so important. Notice what he says. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So it means some of you ladies, you need to go home and feed your husband, give him something to drink. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. And this is what we want to focus on. See, relational difficulties are not easy to overcome, and they often overcome us. And do you know why they often overcome us? It's because we get so focused on what they are doing or what they did to us that we're overcome by it. But the Apostle Paul, he's reminding us, he says, hey, here's how not to let that crazy making overcome you. You start focusing on the health of your heart because the only way that you can feed your enemy or give them something to drink or help them in any way is if you have a healthy heart. See, you know the health of your heart. You know the health of your heart by the reactions in your life. Remember, your reactions show more about the health of your heart than anything else about you. I mean, think about the reactions of Jesus. Jesus. Think about the reactions of Jesus when difficult things happened in his life. When they were nailing him to the cross, what came out of Jesus' mouth showed exactly what was in his heart. What came out of his mouth, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing to me. That was what was in his heart. When Judas was in the process of betraying Jesus, his reaction showed what was in his heart he stooped and he washed his betrayer's feet and Judas had already made the deal to repay him. I mean, Jesus then, in his darkest moment, he experienced Peter deny him three times, even with cursing and swearing. And after the resurrection, he knew where Peter would be and he goes and finds him and he calls him and invites him to breakfast and he says, hey, Peter, I want you to live out your potential. Will you be one of the leaders in my church? Will you be one of my under shepherds and shepherd my flock? Listen, in every reaction of Jesus, He modeled for us what a heart looks like that is filled with the fruit of the Spirit of God, of love and joy. And peace so that when somebody bumps into us, even to the point of betraying us, that we have to go to the cross and die the most brutal death ever. That we can wash their feet. That we can say, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. See, the issue is not that they bumped into us. The issue is what was in my heart. Jesus modeled for us that peace begins when our demand for payment ends. You, you could say it this way. Jesus modeled for us peace begins when our desire to prove that we are the better person in the relationship ends. Listen, if there was anyone who was the better person in the relationship, it was Jesus. He was God in human flesh and people bumped into him all the time but you know what came out of him love joy peace patience gentleness kindness meekness self-control listen every relationship you're ever going to be in is going to be complicated you want to get it right i want to get it right Because we all realize the quality of our life is really determined by the quality of our relationships. But you can't keep doing relationally what you've always done and expect to get different outcomes. You can't keep reacting the way you've always been reacting and expect to have better relationships. You can't continue to live with the crazy-making attitude that you are the better person in the relationship. You have to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, my pride has created all these attachments that we've talked about in my heart. And these attachments have created all these earthy, all these unspiritual, all these demonic emotions to flow out of me. So I'm asking you, Jesus, today to come in, use the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, to cut out this attachment, take it out, remove it, So that all this junk that is in my heart, it can be transformed. So instead of my heart being filled with all these unhealthy, life-destroying emotions, the fruit of God's Spirit can be what comes out of me because that's what I'm filled with when somebody bumps into me. So will you stop focusing on what everybody else is doing? Will you own your attitude, what you did? Own what's in your heart. And I promise when you start doing that, watch how free you become. And most of all, remember, God loves you so much that in your darkest moment, when you were still an enemy of God, when you were at enmity with him, Scripture says, Christ died for you to make forgiveness available to you. You don't have to live with all the guilt and shame that many of you live with because you create all these messes in your life. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, as far as depends on you, own them, confess them, and then live in the freedom of the forgiveness that God offers to you so that you can live out the unforced rhythm of grace, which is the fruit of the Spirit of God in our life. And I'm just telling you, the combination of your humility... And God's incredible grace is gonna bring you peace with yourself. It's gonna bring you peace with God. And it's gonna bring you peace with others. And because we want that so desperately for all of you, when you came in today, there was a card on your seat. On one side is just a reminder of this series and our big takeaway from this series. But on the back side is a reminder of the three attachments that we have talked about over the last three weeks. They're all built on pride or rooted in pride. And all these attachments just remind us, oh, this is what I'm doing to sabotage my relationship. So will you take it with you? Put it somewhere. So every time somebody bumps into you and something comes out of your mouth or you react in a revengeful kind of way, they'll say, Jesus, Jesus, uh, as far as it depends on me, go deep into my heart and remove more and more, transform these emotions into the emotions of Christ. Because the reality is, folks, and this is so true, the condition of our relationships has as much to do with the health of our hearts as it does the behavior of others. And Jesus proved that in his darkest moment because his reaction and what came out of his mouth was nothing but love, forgiveness. kindness and that can be ours as well let me pray for you heavenly father I thank you for just the incredible love that you have for us that you would open up your eternal wisdom your life-giving truth you'd open it up to us in a way that we could understand it's why you became flesh and dwelt among us. Because God, you came to show us what God is like. Today, God, we come before you, and we confess that we have justified sin in our heart, because of our pride that we've lived with the attitude, lived in agreement that we were the most important person in the relationship. We lived in agreement with that it was more important to be right than to make the relationship right. We lived in agreement with that we're the better person in the relationship. And we blamed everybody around us for the crazy making instead of looking at our heart. And God, today we begin to realize at a whole nother level, oh, as far as, As depends on me, God, here's my heart. Go deep into my heart, and every time I get bumped, and something earthy or unspiritual or demonic comes out of my heart, God, may it be just another opportunity where I confess my sin of pride, and I invite you to go deeper, to cut out all these attachments and transform all these emotions into the fruit of your spirit because that's what we want. It's why we've gathered today. It's why we encourage each other as the body. God, thank you for your invitation to be part of your kingdom in this world and may our lives reflect that through our reactions, just like your reactions. When you were betrayed, when you were being nailed to a cross, when your best friend Denied you with cursing and swearing. God, may our hearts be so filled with your fruit that we too can reflect your person in a world that needs to see Jesus. And the primary way they see it is through our reactions in life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your power. It's gonna give us the strength to live this out. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for going with us on the journey of this series. Next week, we're starting a brand new series entitled More Than Meets the Eye. And it's on the spiritual invisible war that we all experience. So you don't want to miss it. We'll see you next Sunday.